When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain. All I know is that it ends with me very nearly being killed and that it may not be entirely unrelated to some of the strange things that seem to be happening lately. If there's any truth in the odd fragments of memory that I just can't seem to shake, well, there are things you deserve to know. Things that may help you to understand what's going on, and what's coming. The outlook wasn't brilliant for our hero when last we left him. The poor fellow was so deeply mired in his evolving mental health crisis that he'd barely energy to fret about his imminent assassination. Even the most charitable observer would have had difficulty looking at that blanket-wrapped bundle of self-pity and saying that there... There sat the heir apparent to the vice-chancellorship of Aldergate University. Such, however, is the case. Today is the day of his inauguration. Let us see how our boy rises to what promises to be a grand, if strange, occasion. This is Day 7, Part 2. The Morning Before History It is the seventh day of the return to Aldergate. The time and place of writing is around nine o'clock in the morning, in the private study of the manse of the Vice-Chancellor. We begin... Ah, hear the ringing of the bells, college bells, all the horrors of the night their clamoring dispels. As the hour draws nigh, they summon your pathetic corpse to come and meet its fate, for fate is waiting while you sit here.
That's the fourth time Baz has come barging in to see how you're getting on. <laughs> She's really afraid you'll disappear again. The suspicious blighter seems not entirely to buy your galloping 48-hour virus excuse. <laughs> not sure when she suddenly became a doctor. Anyhow, who is she to doubt you? when you've nearly begun to believe it yourself. After all, you have been dashing about in the damp and chill, eating far too much cheese and getting no sleep whatsoever. You might very easily have come down with a touch of some nasty sort of fever. Seems more plausible than that you got trapped in your own basement and sleepwalked through a locked door. Hmm, at this point you don't know what to believe. <sighs> Honestly, who the twist cares? The past is past, and the future is upon you. For the moment at least, sweet Eos has chased the shadows from your creaking brain. With a bit of help from the catered breakfast and Jeroboam of French roast that turned up on your doorstep. Courtesy of Mr. Beckel and the Five Keys, Baz said. You did passionate justice to it. There's a time for counting calories and a time for putting yourself outside of as much scrambled egg as you can manage. I hope you left enough for Baz's merry band of ceremonial munchkins. They'll be your honor guard from here to Regent House, representatives from every college in the university. Hmm. You probably ought to be out there mingling with them, but you can't. Not just now. Hmm. There will be so much of that. This afternoon and this evening and... Forever and ever, amen. You deserve a moment's calm before the storm. Yes. A moment's about all you'll get. Not long now, eh? Soon, Vice-Chancellor Adrian Ward shall come into his own. Well, into Sir Reggie's, technically. Then you'll really learn just how far gone the poor old fellow was. Back in your hostile takeover days, you got more than your share of experience stepping into recently vacated shoes, vaulting into saddles still warm from the asses of whomever you'd shot out of them. And you do learn a lot about a person when you take over an organization they've molded in their image. You feel the pull of their perspectives, their preferences, their priorities, and their prejudices. All their faults, foibles, and failings. Whether or not Sir Reggie's corpse lies in secret state in his cardboard tomb upstairs, his ghost haunts every ancient inch of Aldergate, and as you settle in, you'll start to feel the shape of him. You'll get to know him better than you ever did back when he was just your pal and patron. <sighs> Poor fellow. 
You hope that when he started to go, he went pretty quick. Surely the university remembers him as that burning, barking, bristling ball of life and energy that you knew. Not the poor, distracted remnant that Papier mashed the VC's office in dismembered books. Yes. Well, at least he didn't try the same game in his study. This room feels far more like the good old Sir Reggie. A mess, to be sure, but a glorious one. Most of the manse has a sort of timelessness, a grand communion with all vice-chancellors past. But this, hmm, this is beyond question the study of Sir Reginald Cardew. For starters, it's coated with pictures of the old boy. Newspaper clippings, mostly. Sir Reggie ringing the opening bell. Sir Reggie arm-wrestling Sophia Loren. Sir Reggie being honored in Sapporo and attacked in Monte Carlo and arrested in Samarkand. The varying quantity of hair atop that august head marks the milestones of a life lived long and hard. <laughs> Vain old sod. Fancy having a full-length mirror on the back of your study door. Oh, no doubt it's a priceless curio. Got golden snakes with garnet eyes slithering all round the perimeter. But, still. <laughs> As for the other souvenirs and knick-knacks, you couldn't begin to guess at the stories behind most of them. Just here on the desk, this little brass puzzle box. Oh. Oh dear. Well, it was a box. You tried to pick it up, and now you've squished it into a weird, menacing sort of shape. Hmm. Every attempt to poke the slidey bits back into place just seems to make things worse. Hmm. And, hmm. And then there's this knobbly little ivory sphere. Yeah. All right, two points. First, just stop touching things. Second, it's not ivory. It's teeth. You are not a forensic dentist, so you're going to assume that they're sheep teeth. Or ape teeth. Or something with gold fillings. Ugh. Hmm. Here's a bullet in a glass box. Not a full cartridge, just the lead bullety bit, the part that hurts. There's a souvenir. Wonder if it came out of Sir Reggie, or if it's one he put into somebody else. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, interesting one. Here's a little torn square of paper in a frame. Looks awfully old. <laughs> it's dirty enough to have come out of your diary. Just a scrap, and written on it, 
neatly printed in ink now faded to near illegibility, one word. Irrelevant. Just the sort of message one expects to find on the desk of a chief executive, eh? Surely a priceless artifact. This must be a prototype of the world's first demotivational poster. <laughs> hmm. Your illustrious predecessor had quite the little art collection going as well. This bronze miniature on the windowsill. Triton with seahorses. It looks like a study for a larger work, but it's a tremendous piece. Seems almost alive. As for the painting of the fireplace... <laughs> that's a Titian Bacchanal, and there is no possible way it's here legally. Sir Reggie has supplied his own personal touch by flanking it with a snarling pair of stuffed badgers on the mantelpiece. A chacun son goût, eh, silver boy? Hmm. You would quite like to know the history of that little model ruin mounted just above the door. You'd swear it's a likeness of Rujani Palace, pallid and ghostly. <laughs> And, naturally, you're curious because of the connection to Oberto of Blandra, a fellow Eldonian. Hmm, not perhaps the most distinguished alumnus of your old college. He did murder an emperor. But still, up Elden House. <laughs> and bad old Oberto's not the only murderer featured here, either. Funny. Give Sir Reggie points for fearless honesty, but then deduct a few for... Well, it's all very well saying that tastes differ, but they don't differ by that much. He's got a shadow box collage of three front pages. Washington Post, London Times, and Pravda. It's that front page from when the Voskal dig knocked the world on its ear. There's a grinning Sir Reggie, in his 1980s finest, and standing atop Mount Borehole, flashing a V with his other arm around Voskal himself. Ugh. You don't see many photos of Georg Voskal about these days, but Sir Reggie kept this one, right where he'd have to look at it every single day. Perhaps there's a sort of nobility in that. A fearless refusal to pretend. No papering over even the darkest bits of his history. Yes, well, it's not your history, and you will not be keeping it in what will shortly be your study. <sighs> yes, the hour draws nigh. The guests are here, the band is tuning up. It's madness out there on the pent. The windows in here must be the original glass, or pretty near. They're an inch thick and about a trillion years old, so you can't really make out the particulars of what's going on. But there is a multitude out there. 
all waiting for little Adrian. In the rain, no less. Hmm. Your big day. Soon you shall be led down the aisle, and a tall, handsome man will slip a ring onto your finger. Well, perhaps more striking than handsome. Although I'm in Deddy's not bad-looking for a fellow who's probably been around longer than Dr. Kilbury. And he would be quite tall, too, if he straightened up. Astonishingly tall, in fact. But he seems to have some sort of question-mark business going on with his spine. All part of the job, no doubt. It's probably stipulated in the Lex Ordigatiensis that the university's official scholar of the law must be A. Stooped, B. Wizened, and C. Afflicted with a goatee beard you could breed owls in. Nice chap. Or perhaps he was just being nice. Baz may have told him that you're teetering on the edge, and he didn't want to spook you into bolting. But no, there's a genuine warmth about the fellow, even if he does look like a warlock. What is a warlock? Or no, no, a pharaoh. That's what Deddy looks like. Give the man a crook and a flail, and he could... Hmm. Ah. Direst's note. The rest of this page belongs to a little pencil sketch of Altergate University's venerable scholar of the law, rendered as what I can only describe as Tutankhamun in horn-rimmed spectacles. I appear to have been interrupted just as I was working on the braided beard. Ahem. Oh, delightful. So, it's to be a fancy dress inauguration. <laughs> hmm. And you'll even be wearing white. Well, they've asked you no questions, so... <laughs> bah. And, of course, it would have to be a robe. Uh, you'll never understand this old-timey fascination with robes. Honestly, they had trousers in the twelfth century, didn't they? Richard Coeur de Lyon wasn't charging about slaying Saracens in a bloody frock. Not that there weren't rumors, mind. Bah. Ceremonial silliness. You're going to look like a clansman who's delivering a basket of treats to Grandma. <sighs> ah, well. No doubt nothing commands undivided attention like an undivided garment. And anyhow, tradition, what? <sighs> you may as well learn to like it. Aldergate is soaked in the stuff. At the moment, the old place is pretty well soaked in general. 
The rain's picking up, and the wind is doing its best restless spirit impersonation, rushing about, going whoosh in the chimney. Bodes ill for your procession. It seems the Lex Autogatiensis makes no ritual allowance for umbrellas. This robe has got a hood, so that's something. But the bloody thing's made of wool. We'll probably take on a good ten pounds of water weight between here and Regent House. A fine, dashing figure you'll cut, slogging to glory in the world's largest, soggiest sweater. At least your lame left hand ought to be warm and dry. You've gauntleted it in gauze, and mummified it in half a roll of plastic surgical tape. You ought probably to have washed it out properly first, but with all the clawing and climbing and dangling over abysses you've been doing lately, you kept spoiling all the poor thing's best attempts to heal. This morning, after you gave Baz the good news about your being still alive, you scissored off the vile, sodden old dressing and dithered of what to do next. You ought to have washed it. Really, you ought. But, well, the gash has finally got a scab of sorts over it, and you'd only have started yourself leaking again. Anyhow, it doesn't hurt too much anymore, as long as you don't use it, or move it, or look directly at it, or think about it like you're doing now. Ouch. Of course, really, the decision was made for you by that tapping noise that started up from the plug hole again. You really are growing profoundly unfond of that tapping noise. Probably just bad associations with all things related to the manse's plumbing, but there's a bit of you that can't help wondering if this may be some new sort of figment, a distant, drain-dwelling cousin of the trapped thing. Ugh. Well, you'd better things to do than hang about in the bathroom listening to it. You've got your pride, or your shame at any rate. You took the gauze, took the tape, took the scissors, and went out to patch yourself up on the stairs. <sighs> you don't suppose the Lex Ordigatiensis will have any objections to your medical mitten? You match, at least. White gauze, white robe. Maybe that's all right. Maybe it's unforgivable. Robe and bandage. Is that more like belt and shoes, or tie and jacket? <sighs> Just have to hope for the best. You are the helpless pawn of rite and ritual, and if old Daddy makes you undress, well, that will be that. You wouldn't put it past the university's ancient code to demand vice-chancellors be inaugurated bare-handed, and let the blood and tears fall where they may. It is a picky sort of blighter, this Lex. If it had insisted on twelfth-century underwear as well, you might have had to seriously reconsider your acceptance. 
Not that this is so very much better. You're straight off to the formal reception after the ceremony, so you've got to have your full soup and fish on underneath the robe. Fortunately, resourceful old Baz has scared up a discreet plastic raincoat for in-between. Now, what do you suppose are the odds you've actually remembered to pack the breast and peak and associated accoutrement, and will be able to find them in the unholy mess you've created upstairs? Stay tuned. Ah, success. Hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, this is much more like it. You take back your unkind words about Sir Reggie and his mirror. The man was a genius and a saint. Who, who is that Adonis in the white bow tie and the breast and peak tailcoat? Can you imagine that fellow getting trapped in a basement or passing out in a bathtub? No, no, no. That, that magnificent specimen can only be Sir Adrian. Yes, yes, indeed. You'd quite forgotten just how disgustingly you fancy yourself in full evening dress. Wasn't much call for it in the life you've left behind you. Hmm. Nice to see you're about the same shape as you were a year and a half ago. You haven't worn this thing since your investiture. Remarkable how well it travels. Not a wrinkle in sight. Hmm. Or do you detect a slight crease on the shoulder where Her Majesty laid the blade? <laughs> Today will be a trial for poor Mr. Breston Peak, as well as for you. Well, if you're very good, perhaps you can finally have that nice, warm, conscious bath you've been promising yourself. As for Mr. B.P., ah well, if Baz's dry cleaner does a sound job with your Chesterfield, perhaps you'll let them have a crack at it. Oh yes, that's right. Baz saw your poor, ick-spattered coat on the newel post and took it quietly in charge. Didn't make remarks, didn't ask questions, just said she'd have it back to you in a few days. Ugh. You'll need it. Listen to that rain, like machine gun fire. Hopefully the Lex Orgegensis has no objection to overshoes, because you're not perambulating puddles in patent leather. Hmm... Hardly an auspicious day for your inauguration. Ah, well, what do you know about augury, anyhow? That's Deddy's department, and he seems a conscientious sort of high priest. He wouldn't embark on a ceremony of this magnitude without casting all sorts of runes and reading a whole flock of entrails. You'll be all right. 
The clouds may storm, but above them the stars are smiling. Baz seems to be smiling too, as of this latest incursion. Almost go time. Are you ready to be Vice-Chancellor Ward? <laughs> ready as you'll ever be. You think you've got your stage business memorized, more or less? Yes, you're feeling pretty shiny, considering the sex. Half a tab of dextro. Chase it with one last slug of coffee. Et voila! The phoenix has arisen fully from the ashes. A livelier iris, winter notwithstanding, changes on the burnished Adrian. You could bite a tiger this morning. <laughs> That's good, because you may be called upon to do exactly that. The crib sheet Daddy gave you doesn't mention tiger biting, but it wouldn't be out of place in this ritualistic rigmarole. Fortunately, you've no actual lines to memorize. Most of the real heavy-duty ceremonial stuff will be done to you rather than by... You have got a lot of props to look after, however. Your instructions read like the solution to an old-school adventure game. Ahem. <clears throat> you receive the Iron Key. You wrap the Vermilion Cloth around the Broken Mirror. You crush the Dried rose with the old book. You knock over the threefold candle with the pointless stick. <sighs> Nothing you can't handle. Daddy says that nobody has ever actually flunked the ceremony, and that includes the 18th Vice-Chancellor, who got into an argument with the presiding scholar that resulted in a fistfight on the pent and a near-fatal stabbing on the steps of Regent House. The ritual was subsequently amended to specify that the ceremonial stick should thereafter be pointless, but the chap still got confirmed. Hark! The bells, they ring once more. Best get downstairs, what? Bonne chance, bon courage. Go get em, champ. Well then... The time has come at last, and our hero prepares to take his place as 51st Vice-Chancellor of the University of Aldergate.
Three chairs and a bitten tiger for him. Please, nobody point out that this pomp and ceremony solves precisely none of his many, many problems, or that it may well add a few. Let's just let him enjoy the moment while it lasts. How long will that be, do you suppose? <laughs> we shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday at thealdergatepapers.com Find The Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts as well, and spread the word, won't you? This may be my story, but I fear that it's likely to become everybody's problem. Until next time, I am, and shall remain, your humble servant, Adrian Ward. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy with Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio. Or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.